Village Kids. Hi guys, you're listening to the Village Kids podcast, a podcast hosted by four recently reconnected childhood best friends. My name is Erin. I'm Annika. And I'm Marga. Julia's not with us today, but she's here in spirit. And for this episode, we're going to be interviewing my friend Hinson Orr. Let's welcome Hinson. <laughs> Hello, I'm Hinson Orr. Do you want to introduce yourself? Like, give us some background here. Okay, so my name is Hinson Orr. I'm 24 years old or 25, I forgot. You know, it's all the same. I've been into fitness for a very long time. I've been in the industry for more than eight years already. And I'll just give a quick reason on why I started it. I was actually obese growing up as a kid. So I have genetics to be overweight and gain fat really easily. Then when I went into college, I got into sports studies, which eventually became sports science in the University of the Philippines, Diliman. And from there, ever since um, fitness became my passion, I got fit, I got into a healthy life, and I vouched to preach it to other people as well. That's so cool. Um, we wanted to ask, how did you first get into fitness? Like, was it through dieting, or was it through working out, a sport, or what? Okay, so thank you for that question. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, when I was, I always loved playing basketball. Like, even in my story where um, I was obese growing up. I really played basketball all the time. Like, I enjoyed playing sports, running around, playing with friends. But uh, when I reached second year high school, I was like 235 pounds. Um, you know how schools have sometimes yearly checkups? So I had mm -hmm. a year, the year, in the yearly checkup that time, uh, the nurse that managed me said that I was obese type 1 or something like that, or type A. I forgot the terminology for it. She told us about all of the potential disease risks. Sempre, when you're young, you don't really care about uh, heart disease, right? You don't care about risks. You don't care about, like, fat is being fat. Lang. It has its own um, judgments by society. But to hear it from an actual health professional, it kind of dawns on you that, oh, I really need to do something about it. So I didn't know what to do. Of course, when you're a kid, or when you're young, you don't even bother researching, right? You just do what you know. So I really started to go into an unhealthy diet. Mm, I only knew at that time about calories. So I didn't know what were healthy food. I didn't know what were healthy exercise. So I would jump rope and jog with my Achi or my oldest, my oldest sister, my only sister rather, every day. And I would only eat around... 500 calories per day. Now, if you know what calories are right now, you'd know that 500 calories is so small, right? That's usually one meal. And I'd eat that for the whole day. Coming from someone who was obese, so I probably had a huge, a huge calorie surplus, and I cut it down to around 500 per day. Then once a week, I would treat myself with my sister when we had a successful week of exercise by drinking milk tea. So it's really weird, like a really weird kind of dieting thing. But after a year, uh, I became underweight. So I became from 235 pounds down to 135 pounds-ish. It's really gross. So there, I didn't know about anything about weight gain, but that's really where my fitness journey started. Then after that, uh, my brother saw me and said, like, 
dude, what happened to you? Uh, you look so skinny already. And I didn't know I was skinny. I still felt like I was fat and I still wanted to, you know, slim down some more. Then there he introduced me to the gym, Gold's Gym at that time. It's like four minutes away from my house. So there's no excuse really to not go to gym. And there, I fell in love with it there. I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Then transitioning into fourth year high school, again, more into fitness. Then into college, that's when I started to do things more seriously because it's my course and I learned more about it. Would you say that your background like in high school, um, losing all that weight and then starting to bulk up, like did that play a big role in you choosing your major in college? Yeah, definitely. Actually, uh, it's funny. I only wanted either culinary school or sports science because I really love food and fitness. Well, I, I thank God that I chose the sports science part since it was really fun. Like I enjoyed the whole process and culinary can always wait, right? There's always time to enroll in class again like that afterwards. It's really nice though that uh, you're talking about fitness, but also talking about your interest in culinary or in food because like, it seems so daunting sometimes that, oh, if you accept fitness or trying to get fit, you limit yourself in terms of food. So it's really nice to hear that you're interested in both and that means that you're also still enjoying. That's so true. Actually, I have a really quick story on that also. When I reached second year college already, so at this point, you know, with the fitness story, I was really a bit deeper in the fitness journey. And I wanted for my first time to keep, compete in like a fitness pageant competition. So at that time, um, my advocacy was more of really kind of like how fitness makes you more confident and speaking in front of others or... I don't know, in front of people in general. So at that time, I had a coach who, just like you were saying, he taught me to slim down by depriving myself of food. Imagine for three whole months, I was eating boiled sweet potato and boiled chicken breast with no salt or pepper. I mean, like, honestly, it's disgusting. And I literally broke down because of how... Miserable. I would rather eat the 500 calories of random trash than the boiled sweet potato. Honestly, if you guys like, if you girls like sweet potato, it's not good when it's boiled and in a Tupperware and you're bringing it around. When, when you eat it, sometimes it's sour already, so it's gross. Anyway, from there, I realized that there's really something wrong with the fitness industry, especially in the Philippines, because... It's ruled by a lot of bro science or in the Philippines, you have this term bakal gym, right? So bakal gym is like essentially really cheap gyms. I'm not saying these coaches are wrong, okay? These coaches are, coaches are okay. They have their own practices. If, you, if any of you have ever been in a field of sport, maybe varsity as a kid or something, coaches really have a different way of coaching. Doesn't mean they're wrong, but it's their way of coaching. It gets results for some people, but... In the field of sports science, we learn that uh, you really don't need all these technicalities with healthy foods. You really just have to find the balance between the two and you can get it to where you want to be. 
without really depriving yourself of anything. Do you want to talk about how you got into bodybuilding? Like, did you join clubs or something? I used to gym in the Savior School Gym, Gold's Gym, right? It didn't have um, Gold's Gym's usual competition called Bodycon. It wasn't part of it since it was like a school-exclusive gym. So my first fitness pageant was in Slimmer's World in this competition called Great Bodies 2016. And I'll just differentiate that real quick. Uh, pageant is kind of like bodybuilding in a sense that they judge your physique. But more than the physique, it's also, of course, won't lie about it. Naman. When they pick marketing people, they want aesthetic also. So it's overall look together with your body, together with your fitness story slash advocacy. And so part of the pageant is you need to be able to speak in front of an audience. So you need to be able to speak in front of a crowd and answer Q&As. But what made the Great Bodies competition really difficult, honestly, was there's this, which I didn't know at the time, there was this aerobic competition, which is basically like you you dance and like that's super not me. And so... Oh. You can't not do it. So I ended up doing it. And that's the difference. With bodybuilding shows, there's almost nothing to do with the face, just the body. And since you're new to it also, what they judge is not really just the size. It's the symmetry definition of the muscle as well. So sometimes you can see someone who looks huge, like a cloud, and you guys are girls or random people that go, damn, this guy's huge. But if he competes with someone on stage, it doesn't mean that he's going to win just because he's the biggest. There can be someone who looks a little bit smaller, but has this super symmetrical, like deep cut abs, deep cut chest, biceps, and he could totally crush a bulky guy. So yeah, there's a lot of competitions. And even bodybuilding in itself has a lot of subcategories. So there's bodybuilding, which is where you wear like um, G-strings basically, because part of the bodybuilding muscle is your glutes. So you have to show off your glute muscles too, right? And that one really has size involved in it. There's also a classic bodybuilding, so slightly smaller than bodybuilding. And there's a men's physique, which is like they're wearing model board shorts, like surfing board shorts. And and the men's physique is like part of it's the face, your smile. They kind of judge your smile together with your physique. And yeah, even for the women, there's like bikini, figure, bodybuilding. There's a lot of categories in bodybuilding in itself. But the, the main difference with pageants and bodybuilding is really the um, advocacy or the story behind it, as well as the way you present yourself, like your own marketing, basically. Yeah. How did I get into bodybuilding? One of my uh, inspirations was this guy called Kai Green. He's a huge bodybuilder. And he really had this cool mindset of, you know, being humble and doing your own thing and working out. Initially, he changed a little bit, but initially that was what made him appealing to most people. He was like my idol a little bit in getting into the fitness industry. And yeah, to tie in that story, so why did I go to Slimmer's World even when I was in Gold's Gym? Was because I went with my brother one time. He brought me to Slimmer's World because he wanted to show me the gym. And the manager of the place asked me, said, hey, um, you look like you could compete for us. Have you ever seen this competition like that? So 
that was really the first time I wouldn't have ever considered joining anything if not for this person asking me na, oh, you could, why don't you try it out? So from there, I got introduced na, oh, there's bodybuilding shows pala in the Philippines. So Kai Green says, uh, I don't know what country is in, but it's not in the Philippines, not Asia either. So I didn't know there were bodybuilding shows or pageant shows here. Of course, I was stoked by the opportunity to join a competition like that. And I did. And that's how I got into bodybuilding, I guess you could say. How wow. many pageant shows have you joined so far? I actually joined three um, fitness pageants. My first one was in Slimmer's World, 2016. My second one is in Anytime Fitness, 2017. And my third one was Gold's Gym in 2020. Um, in the Great Bodies one, I didn't win any place. But the way the competition goes is you're going to give your speech, you're going to give your advocacy, your fitness story. Then part of the judging, which again, I didn't know was the aerobic dance in which I really failed in. But they were calling out people for the, um, for the physique and story. Then I was one of them to share it. So the next one, the Anytime Fitness one, I won second runner up. Second runner up. So there... The, fit, the Anytime Fitness one was cool because it was a different kind of fitness pageant. It was purely about um, your advocacy and your fitness story. Nothing to do with the physique. So they wanted to show you that anyone, anytime can be fitness. At that time, their slogan was a healthier place. So you have to define your own term for what a healthier place was. Now, for Gold's Gym, Basically, they, they have three categories. They have the youth division, the normal division, and the trainers, the Gold's Gym trainers. So I'm in the youth division. The Bodycon uh, 5.0 in Gold's Gym, they want to look for someone who can, you know, speak the best fitness advocacy in lines with Gold's vision in the field of fitness. I don't know how they grade things really or the criteria for it, but I, I know it's going to be fun. And yeah, I'm wait- looking forward to that. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I really liked how you said um, that one um, competition slogan of like, you define your own. Yeah, actually, that was fitness. really good. Like, yeah. I think that's so refreshing. You kind of acknowledged earlier, like the unhealthy side sometimes to um, True. That's true all of, of this. fitness. Yeah. yeah. There's, something, um, there's something I also don't like with the um, fitness field in general i'll just say it here since it's really partly an advocacy too there's something about um being inclusive right a lot of fitness people are well particularly in the philippines they're very like tayo lang to culture in the philippines like it's just us this is our group and there's people who go like oh you're not hardcore enough uh you're not hardcore enough you don't eat sweet potato and chicken breast Kind of thing. I mean, I think that's okay, but in- intimidating to the average gym goer. Like, if you're imagine stepping into the gym, and your coach tells you, "You want smokumayat or you want to slim down, eat sweet potato and chicken breast." I mean, automatically, what will the newbie do? Right? He will listen. He or she will listen to the advice of the trainer. But just because that trainer has the whole hardcore all in or all out group mindset it will automatically change or sculpt the way this person views fitness so it's not very inclusive to beginners 
or the ones who don't really want to go hardcore and just want to, you know, slim down and be healthy. I agree. I think, um, you know, something that I personally, I've always thought is that I was never able to really like stay on to anything because I felt that whatever was um, prescribed to me, it was just too much. And then I was like, in the, in the scheme of prioritization, I was like, oh, I want to, but I don't need to do this. So I just don't do it at all. But that's also on me. <laughs> but then, yeah, I think it's really nice to hear your perspective because I don't hear it that often. Yes. Or when I try, yeah, when I try to follow anything, it just feels like, oh, if I'm not following it completely, I won't get the results that I want. So why yeah. even bother? That's yeah. true. The yeah. idea that it has to be zero or a hundred, there's no exactly. in between. Exactly. Uh, that really, that's really so relatable. Yeah. It's demoralizing. It really stops yeah. you from wanting to do anything else. So that's not just you, Margaret. It's actually really a problem with a lot of people. And it's something that hopefully in my own way, or sports science people, I'm sure they'd want to vouch for that, that you really have to build up on it. Because the truth is, even on the health side, if you go from zero to 100, it's much if you have a much higher risk of injury than if you went from 0 to 10, to 20, to 30, to 40, to 50, to 100. And building it up more so is what builds a habit and what makes you enjoy the process. Right. So 0 to 100 also on the other spectrum of things, I know it works in its own way and it will get results. But in terms of longevity, it's really not a good practice. And yeah, it's, it's not... Um, it's not uncommon for people to get demotivated from the whole zero to 100 kind of practice. On the topic of like, <laughs> now that we're kind of talking about how we feel about fitness, mm-hmm. um, for me, I'm, I'm always afraid to be someone who overly considers like my diet and like exercise and all that and my weight. For fear that I might get like too self-conscious. And I wonder if that was ever a reservation for you when you were going into bodybuilding because there's so much emphasis on like the physique and all of that. And yeah. So on that topic, I'll just tackle first the first thing you said. So body weight, by the way, I just want to make that clear for everyone here and maybe the audience who will watch this, that you should never define your fitness goal with body weight. This is not like a 2021 kind of thing, but really in the scientific point of view, um, when you just measure your body weight, it doesn't really determine any goal. It can be a sort of, if you check your weight every day, you can check the average and maybe you can get some significant data to support your fitness journey. But as a whole, body weight itself can fluctuate very easily. Like if I asked you to take your weight right now and I asked you to drink one gallon of water, you would be much heavier already, automatically. Or in that same way, even for me, if I check my weight now, I go to the restroom and do a dump or something like that, I'd be lighter already. So it depends on how much. (laughs) But the point is, the point is (laughs) that weight is, it fluctuates. And another thing on that topic also, with low calorie dense foods, like foods now you can have high volume and they have low calories. Just example, imagine if you drank one bottle of oil 
one bottle, 500 ml of oil, probably weighs like, what, less than a pound, but has like a thousand calories. Or you could eat a kilo of raw cabbage, right? The person who ate the kilo of cabbage would weigh heavier than the person who ate a small bottle of oil, but in totality, the calories of the kilo of cabbage was less, right? So that talks a lot about body composition versus body weight. So together with your weigh-ins, if you're conscious about your weight, you should check your progress in the mirror, right? You can see how you look. Sometimes you gain weight, but you feel like I look better. So you know, depends to each their own. Depends on your fitness goal too. And what you said a while ago with the bodybuilding um, about I think being hardcore with eating, right? You said something about being too self-conscious. Yeah. yeah. No sugarcoating that. When you're competing in a pageant or a bodybuilding show, it's not healthy to be in a very low body fat level. So sub 10% is really not good for the human body. And these competitions, they want you to be at like 5% to 6% body fat. And to get there, you literally have to starve. So it's not, uh, I'm literally starving. It's literally starved. So your body will only reach that point if you're... Um, biologically starving so you will really have to be very restrictive if you're competing you do you may have to have these times where i have to eat differently a little bit like just a little bit even little tweaks like no pizza muna just eat a side of salad something like that but in terms of as a whole like getting to 15% body fat or 10% body fat or 25% any body fat level as long as it's a healthy range, you generally don't need to have these whole um, self-conscious kinds of living. You can live, you can eat with your family, right? Asian culture, we like eating with our family. You can eat what they eat, just control the portion of it. So there. Yeah, that's a good point. Because like, I used to be vegetarian, but when I came home, I had no mm-hmm. choice but to just eat whatever was there. <laughs> yeah. Shempre special, like, oh, I'm only going to cook my own food. <laughs> you can't yeah. do that in an Asian household. Asian parents are super, like, no, or whatever, like that. They don't really, some parents don't really support um, having restrictive diets, right? They want you to eat a lot of stuff. Actually, my parents want me to eat less, but, like, oh, okay. <laughs> another side of Asian okay, household, okay. Asian parenting. <laughs> Moving on, hearing all of your philosophies on um, fitness, on health, what made you want to start your own YouTube channel and like start talking about health and fitness? Oh, mukbangs? okay. <laughs> uh-huh. So actually, the YouTube channel I made is really just a personal thing. Like it's just for fun. So for fun, but also in a serious note right like of course if you put it on a platform as much as you want to do it for yourself you also want to share a message and you also want to do something with it so at the time i didn't know what i wanted so at the start i tried to be a fitness channel like i'm seeing oh this guy looks cool speaking fitness so one of my favorite youtube channels actually in canada greg Duset. you guys have ever seen his channel he talks a lot about fitness and a lot of random stuff. And a lot of fitness channels I watch, like, they provide good content, 
and they presented really well. I was like, wow, I want to be like that. I want to show some fitness tips. I know what I want to say. I know what I want to preach. But later on, I kind of realized, like, it's not just fitness, really. I also really like food. I started to like random cooking stuff. But when I was doing the cooking stuff, I was like, I don't really want to do healthy stuff all the time. I want to eat random stuff. I guess now I do like it because sometimes you watch a mukbanger and they look really good, right? A lot of mukbangers are fit, but none of them show food and fitness, right? I could eat these things, but I don't want to get give the wrong message that, you know, oh, it's just genetics. That's why I can eat like this and be okay. So a lot of these mukbangers people watch, they don't show it on camera, but if you look behind the scenes, they're almost always on a diet. Like, it may not be obvious, but even competitive eaters, they have this thing where they really practice fitness a lot and they practice eating less on the days, before the days where they eat more. That's why they don't really change that much. So some of them, yeah, of course, they have elite genetics in terms of burning calories, but yeah, they don't show that behind the scenes, you really do have to be fit if you're going to do these things for longevity. What I got from that is like, you're showing them the entire person. You're not just picking, oh yeah, I'm just going to show I'm doing exercises or I'm just going to do mukbangs. It's like you're showing them your, more of your life and then what is more real. So yes, you're interested in fitness, but you also like having fun and doing and eating sometimes things that aren't considered healthy it's very refreshing for this time especially when everyone we look up to on social media we only get like the curated parts of that's it true. so that's so true yeah that's really nice thank it's so a good message that. to put out yeah thank you that means a lot it's also partly what i want to show also like sometimes some people when they look up to ask people in the fitness industry what to do, they get intimidated because they feel like um, they're on another kind of level. But actually, we're all the same in anything. Like you can ask someone about fitness and sometimes the average person doesn't realize that they've been there. Like these fitness people, they've been through that because some fitness people, they like being like, they've been fit almost their whole life. Almost like when they show their selves, at least their persona, it looks like they've been there their whole life. They've always been fit, right? And that, that's true for some, but some don't really show that. They've been beginners too. And everyone, even if you were fit before, you were a beginner at one point, right? So yeah, I actually like that because partly in my social media, I like removing the whole intimidation factor. Like if I speak in straight English, but you want to ask me something in Filipino, I'll answer you in Filipino. If you're asking me about a serious fitness topic in bodybuilding, I'll answer you in a serious way in bodybuilding and vice versa. If it's a beginner, it's a beginner also kind of talk. So there's no feeling like, oh, um, you don't speak English, you can't talk to me. I speak Filipino a lot in my TikTok social media, actually. It's good for you to bring up because it's nice to break that kind of stereotype when it comes to personas in the industry. I like how you're making this new like philosophy on health like generally more accessible to a lot of people because i feel like 
wellness or like our ideas on health it's different it depends on how you were brought up or like whatever you see on your social media accounts like it's nice that social media is like taking this whole step into like holistic wellness like it's not just um the good parts it's like the whole being too like the idea that you don't have to look like one specific way. I just love like the idea of how your page is like lowering the barriers of entry into fitness. Yeah, yeah as That's it should awesome. be. Yeah. Thank you. Social media is taking off right now and it really is about wellness, which is good. Because in bodybuilding or even in the fitness industry in general, if you heard earlier I talked about symmetry, muscle insertion and the like, right? Yes, that is attained through hard work, but a part of it and a big part is genetics. So I'll also throw this out there. No matter if you're fat growing up, if you're skinny growing up, you can definitely lose weight, lose body fat, build muscle. Okay, that's not a question. But when it comes down to the core of your muscular structure, that's why some people have like six-pack abs na sobrang perfect, right? And some, they look tabingi, they look slanted. And some have eight packs, some have four packs, something like that. So that's really just your muscle framework or your muscle genetic. You can't make that pop out. So on that part too, even um, fitness personas, for especially for women actually, there are a lot of them with really slim waists, really slim waists, let's say big, uh, big boobs, big glutes, and it looks really aesthetic for everyone. But... When it comes down to it, um, breast tissue or breast body fat and glute body fat is really dependent on genetics, right? And having a slim waist. So not everyone can really attain that whole hourglass figure if they naturally have a wider waist, even if they cut all the body fat down, you can still have a thicker waist. So yeah, it's really good that um, the fitness community as a whole is moving toward a more realistic kind of expectation so hopefully that hits harder in the philippines i think in general in the whole world it's doing a good change but in the philippines maybe not so much yet no and it's awesome that you're kind of contributing to it going in that direction like you mentioned because thank you i think backwards burn sometimes to think that Mm, just because someone is skinny they're healthier than someone who may be a little heavier very true very true yeah for all you know the person that seems heavier is actually yeah like, exercise what you mentioned like, earlier yeah the different yeah. measures outside of like weight that um are more reflective of health oh i was wondering since we're on the topic of like youtube do you ever get scared about like going on youtube and sharing what you know and like basically giving advice about people's lives i am not scared of it because Whenever I give advice, apart from learning it in the fitness industry, I like to intertwine it with my personal experiences. So more than just the, what's the term for that? More than just the philosophy or the scientific point of view, I like giving it an evidence-based practice or a practicality on my experience. So ah, the, the term is theoretically. So some people can speak to you theoretically, right? Even an example, in business, if you have a theoretical concept, but you can't reflect it on your personal practice or what made you successful in business, then what's the point of it, right? Or even in 
hospitals in med school, if you're going through these whole theories of how the human body works, but when the patient's there, you know, it's different. You have these different expectations, these different things you need to do. And I make sure that whenever I give my advice, I'm not just saying it like, oh, um, because science told me so. I actually don't like also that whole other spectrum that it's all science or all purely science-based topics. I like to intertwine both the bro science and the real science by sharing what I've learned through experiences. I saw your video on that series you were starting of bro science versus science. Some bro science tips, they work for some people. Like, I also can't say that I didn't get to where I was because I learned the bro science ways. I can't take away that it was part of my journey whether I liked it or not. And definitely for the people preaching the bro science, you listen to them because they freaking look good. Right? Like, they look really good. So why would you not listen to them? So bro science teachings, although some are hazardous in terms of health, which is not good, but you, know, you can't take away that everything has their reason or everything has their benefit. And it's really good to find the balance, mostly science, but have a little bit of bro science into helping you maybe mentally get to where you want to be too. Just to clarify, bro science is like <laughs> like from one fitness guy to another. From Yeah, if you walk in the gym, you could hear a tita go, uh, I lost uh, 20 pounds on keto uh, last month. And go, oh, sige, I'll try that. And she'll lose 20 pounds, right? And start spreading this whole keto loses 20 pounds in one day kind of mentality. So that's bro science. No explanation behind the why, just the doing it. On the topic of like diets and everything, is there one diet that you can put your stamp on or seal of approval on? Just curious. Uh, definitely, it's the if it fits your calories. So flexible dieting, you've heard that a lot. And it's practiced and preached for good reason. I've actually tried all fad diets. I've tried vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, carnivore, keto, intermittent fasting, all of those fad diets I've done. Because I want, again, like I said earlier, I want to get to share with the person I'm talking to, my experience in it, again, to intertwine both the science and the bro science. And what really works at the end of the day, it's if it fits your calories. So a calorie is a calorie, but some calories are healthier than others. And it's about finding that balance. So you don't need to eat anything else than what you're served or what you have available, but you still need to hit your protein goals. You still need to get your vitamins and your vegetables and the rest, if it fits your calories, why not? So there, that's flexible dieting and it's the best one so far. Okay. So, or before we do the closing, do you want to plug anything, any business ventures? <laughs> oh, okay. So, of course, like and subscribe to Village Kids. And if you want to check my channel, just check me out too. And I'm on TikTok as well. Though I'd vouch only for my YouTube and TikTok. My Instagram is really just random dump stuff. So, Hinson underscore or. So, TikTok is Hinson or, one word, no space. And YouTube, just search Hinson or if you want to. And we'll link it down below. Yeah. I also do online coaching, but not for now. <laughs> I want to take a break from it first. 
Okay. So thank you. Okay. So we definitely learned a lot about fitness, health, and wellness in general today. So I am very excited to learn more from your future videos, Hinson. <laughs> thank so, you. I'm um, looking forward for to your videos today. too. Thank you. Thank well, you for having thanks. me. <laughs> so that is all we have for today. Join us next week for another guest. And yeah, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Village Kids.